from the start of Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. Once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks anywhere. Welcome to Thunder of Script, a podcast for lovers of freedom. In today's episode, we'll discuss Boris Johnson's announcement of the end of COVID measures in England, the unraveling of the case for vaccine passes, and the relentless persecution of unvaccinated citizens. Don't forget that you can subscribe to my Freedom blog at davidthunder.substack.com. Today is Wednesday, 19th of January, 2022. Boris Johnson has announced today the end of mask mandates, the end of government mandated vaccine passes, and the end of remote work or remote work requirements in England. Let's have a listen. From the start of Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. Government is no longer asking people to work from home. And people should now speak to their employers about arrangements for returning to the office. And having looked at the data carefully, the Cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks anywhere. Mr Speaker, from, from from tomorrow, we will no longer require face masks in classrooms. In the country at large, we will continue to suggest the use of face coverings in enclosed or crowded spaces, particularly when you come into contact with people you don't normally meet. But we will trust the judgment of the British people and no longer criminalise anyone who chooses not to wear one. The timing of this announcement, just in the middle of the so-called party gate scandal, is hardly coincidental. It would be reasonable to infer that Boris Johnson has made this announcement to distract attention from the political pressure he's coming under because of his social activities during the British lockdowns. Having said that, in the end of the day, the facts are the facts. He has announced the end of COVID measures. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't really care that much about the motives behind this announcement. I think the the decision is something to celebrate. And I think this decision is very significant because it is the United Kingdom is one of the world's largest economies and is also uh, was also a country that committed itself to quite a severe lockdown during the pandemic. So the fact that, even if it's not the whole of the United Kingdom that's coming out of this, the fact that England, under the leadership of the British Prime Minister, is finally pulling out of these measures, is finally leaving behind the draconian COVID regime, is something worth celebrating. And I think it's something that will send a strong signal to other countries, particularly in Europe. Um, And we can only hope that other countries will take notice 
of this decision and we'll we'll also notice that it doesn't spell the end that it's we'll also notice that it's not a decision that's in any way catastrophic it's not a decision that will cause any significant harm to their health service um we we've already seen uh the data shows that uh, omicron is already past its peak in the united kingdom in terms of case case numbers and hospitalizations so this was a good decision and my only regret is that it came very very late very late in the day because these lockdowns were not supported by scientific evidence there is no good scientific evidence to show that these lockdowns had a positive impact on public health but as they say better late than never so i definitely welcome this decision now the english are free from the vaccine pass it seems and that is wonderful and to be honest i'm envious of them because the vaccine pass remains in place in many other countries including ireland france spain many parts of spain and of course the united states and canada at least many parts of the united states and canada so why are these vaccine passes still in place given that we are now seeing with omicron that the vaccine provides very limited protection against infections let's concede that the vaccine does indeed provide some protection against severe disease nonetheless um it's clear by now and i think there's a growing consensus in the scientific community that that these vaccines are not really able to stop omicron transmission they have a very limited impact on transmission and whatever impact they might have initially very quickly diminishes uh, within the space of 3 to 5 months it pretty much disappears and this is borne out by some other data for example the UK health security agency analyzes test results covid test results and its data is now showing that everyone within the age categories between 18 and 69 all of those cohorts are showing that um positivity rates among vaccinated citizens are double the rate of positivity rates among unvaccinated citizens so i'll just repeat that based on the testing data analyzed by the uk health security agency we are seeing twice the rate the positivity rate among vaccinated citizens as among unvaccinated citizens and that is a proportionate number that is it's a rate per 100,000 vaccinated citizens versus a rate per 100,000 unvaccinated citizens these this testing data is not randomized it depends simply on who presents to, for these tests so there are some caveats that we have to register about that data but we don't even need to rely on this in reality because other studies show independently that the vaccines um provide a form of immunity against infection that is that wanes very quickly over time um in particular it's much less effective 
for Omicron than it is for previous variants. Now, I'd like to draw your attention to an interesting interview by Freddie Sayers uh, with Professor Cyril Cohen, one of Israel's leading vaccine experts and also an advisor to the Israeli government. Professor Cyril Cohen no longer sees the point of a vaccine pass system or the green pass system, as they call it in Israel. And I think that's a very significant admission coming from someone who has helped to advise one of the most radical, radically pro-vax pass regimes in the world. So let's have a listen. What we believe is that, you know, vaccines can prevent transmission perhaps shortly after administered, but not over a long period of time. And therefore, yes, we were surprised to discover at the end of the day that, no, the vaccines are not protecting us, they are not causing what we call sterilizing immunity. The narrative or policies hasn't yet caught up with the reality because Israel was also famous for being one of the first countries to introduce a green pass or a vaccine pass, yeah. which presumably the principle of it is that you can feel safe in a room full of vaccinated people if it prevents transmission. In a world where it doesn't prevent transmission very much or at all, vaccine passports are not really very relevant. Has Israel caught up with that fact? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's not only myself saying that in, you know, in the media you know, you know, for the past few months, but you know, other people, especially with the Omicron, where we don't see virtually any difference. You know, there's a very narrow gap between people vaccinated and non-vaccinated. Both can get infected with the virus more or less at the same pace. Are you now of the view that vaccine passports should be got rid of, phased out, because they're no longer relevant in the Omicron era? I, I, yeah, I tend to think so. I'd like to conclude this podcast now by considering the persecution of citizens who have declined a COVID vaccine. We've seen this persecution all over the world, um, including in the United States, where President Biden has engaged in what can only be described as hate speech against the unvaccinated. He has said things like um, that you should not let your children play with the children of an unvaccinated family. This is a very similar thing to what President Trudeau of Canada also has said in the past. And this trend of what I would describe as hate speech directed against the unvaccinated, speech that is discriminatory, divisive, um, and I would say in many ways scientifically baseless insofar as it involves a huge simplification, is epitomized in President Emmanuel Macron's outburst, embarrassing outburst, in a recent interview he had with a magazine called Le Parisien. I had occasion to comment on Macron's outburst during an interview with Sonia Elijah. I'd like to share an excerpt of that interview with you and maybe conclude with that excerpt. I, I wanted to, to discuss a little bit with you the uh, vaccine mandates um, and obviously get your opinion. And, um, and if you could give me a bit of insight, um, you, you wrote a, a recent on your blog, uh, an open letter to President Macron of France. Uh, what led you to write that open letter? President Macron had an interview with a magazine called The Parisien. And um, he, in that interview, he expressed frustration towards the unvaccinated 
And one of the things he said that was that he wanted to F up the life of the, of the unvaccinated, piss them off, mm. uh, make their life kind of hell, basically. Yeah. And, and, and also to limit their access, to go as far as he could, jusqu'au bout, which means right to the very end, in mm. limiting their access to social life. Yes. So essentially, he was advocating a kind of aggressive medical apartheid yes. in which you would make the unvac- people who had, were not vaccinated with COVID vaccines uh, make their life as unpleasant as possible uh, to pressure them and coerce them and cajole them, cajole them into accepting the vaccine. And I was be a lockdown of the unvaccinated, which is the path that Austria chose to go down. Yes. Yes. I mean, whatever we want to call it, it's basically excluding the unvaccinated from social life and from public li- the public arena. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's a vile form of discrimination. And um, it, it really, to me, it was shocking to me to hear him say these things um, about his fellow citizens. Um, these are people who probably some of them uh, elected him to office. And whether they elected him or not is not the point. He's representing them as the president of the French Republic. And you can't treat citizens um, in this way as if they're criminals because they make a medical choice that you disapprove of or you don't uh, agree with. Um, I mean, you didn't mince your words. I'm gonna read a little bit, uh, just just a quote from what you wrote. Uh, You you said uh, in the open letter to Macron, you stated, you are a disgrace to the office you hold and bring shame to the French Republic. Instead of uniting citizens under the same flag, you are inciting hateful and sectarian attitudes, treating citizens as enemies of the state because they assess the benefits of a vaccine differently to you. Um, could, could you, could you, <laughs> could you um, explain? I mean, those are quite harsh words. Uh, how can you justify uh, what you wrote? Well, basically, um, one of the bedrock principles of uh, a modern democratic republic um, is equality before the law. All citizens have an equal dignity, equal standing before the law, and um, they have an equal right to participate in the social life of a democratic society. They have an equal right to go to a restaurant in general. of course, there are certain rules of etiquette that can exclude people. Um, like if you go to a black tie event or something, you know, mm-hmm. they're not going to accept if you're wearing a T-shirt. Right. But, uh, you, you, but, but, but it is fundamental to a democratic society um, that we, we don't actively exclude people from social life because of their private health choices, mm-hmm. um, because of the way they manage their own health choices. Um, and uh, according to their own criteria and their own prudence, their own prudent and informed judgment. And uh, what Macron has done is essentially he's advocated for a form of collectivism that is completely against the ethos of um, liberal democracy. Right. Collectivism, by, by collectivism, I basically mean that someone on the top mandates for everyone how they should live their life um, what health choices they should make, which medications they should take even. Um, to me, this is so anathema to what any uh, modern democracy represents, uh, to the values of a democracy, uh, representative democracy, constitutional democracy, 
that um, I do believe it brings shape, shame on the French Republic that their uh, leader would advocate these kinds of draconian measures. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- it's the thin edge of, the, of a wedge because once you start to essentially uh, downgrade the citizenship of a certain uh, group of citizens, if you, you treat them as third-class citizens, second-class citizens, um, what you do is you introduce a, a really dangerous precedent. Yes. Um, and today it might be for their vaccination status. Tomorrow it might be because they're obese and therefore they're more of a, a burden on the health system. The right. next day it might be because in their social media they said something that wasn't politically correct. Therefore, they're stripped of their citizenship effectively. Um, it's a really dangerous and dark path that he's taking the French down um, in, this, in these statements. A really basic principle as well uh, concerning public health, which we've respected up to now, is that health decisions are actually very personal matters, not just because we respect people's liberty, but because health is something that varies across different people. People have different health conditions. Yes. And so it's a very intimate choice that has to be adapted to your individual condition. Yes. Um, so just as an example, who, who are the people who actually end up in hospital with COVID? Um, the vast majority are people who have underlying health problems. Um, yeah. And according to a recent study uh, posted on the CDC website, for example, 94.9% of all COVID hospitalizations across a, a group of about half a million that they studied were people who had at least one underlying health problem. Um, and so a young person, say, you know, a young person with no serious health condition is extremely, extremely unlikely to end up in a hospital with COVID-19. And um, it's, it's just so disingenuous to suggest that, uh, for example, a 35 or 40-year-old uh, with no serious health condition um, who, who is unvaccinated is a burden on the health system. That yes. is simply false. It's simply false, and it's yes. just pure propaganda. Let's assume, if that's the case, it seems to be the case that in certain, at least in certain demographics, in certain cohorts, um, there are more unvaccinated people being admitted with COVID-19 proportionately than vaccinated people. So it's possible that the vaccine provides some protection in certain cohorts of the population. But what people have done is, including governments and including scientists, is they've taken this very general statistic Mm. and they've insinuated that it applies to every cohort, every single part of the population, including young and healthy people. And, um, And so to turn to someone in the street who is walking down the street and is 30 years old and is in perfectly good health, and to suggest that that person is a burden on the health system because they're not, they're not taking uh, this vaccine is a lie. It's, it's, yeah. it's a downright lie. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next podcast. Thank you.